FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. Welcome to the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We would like to thank our sponsors, Incelerate, WFG Enterprise Solutions, Next Level Advisors, Lender Logics, and FinLocker. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We have an incredible guest for you today. He is a branding, PR, and marketing expert in financial services. He's a community builder, a social media guru. Please help me welcome Eric Skates, Executive Vice President of Marketing at First Option Mortgage. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me today. At first, I was like, who are you talking about? But you know, that that's really humbling. And thank you for, for saying all that. It's really kind. And I'm excited to be here today. Well, it is great to have you as a guest. All of those things are true. But for our listeners, maybe who don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how did you get into the mortgage industry? Well, it's, it's funny that you asked that because, you know, everything happens for a reason. And when you get started in, in a career of anything, you never know really where you're going to end up. But um, I started out uh, right out of high school at a, um, a real estate law firm, and I was helping my sister. She got a job as a post-closing you know, assistant, and she needed help you know, as a paralegal to um, really help that um, you know, law firm really thrive. So she pulled me in to, to kind of help out with doing some administrative duties. And, you know, me being right out of high school, I, I didn't have a job at that time. So <laughs> I was like, of course, sure. So um, I did post-closing myself and then I did pre-closing. And after after that, I, I was at KSU um, doing com a communication degree. So I was working on that. And um, so I wanted to why not go into real estate? So I got my real estate license as a realtor because my family are all in real estate as well. And I did that for a couple of years. While I was doing that, I got engaged um, to my wife, who I still am with <laughs> after all these years of you know going through different um, processes of, of what you want to do in your life. And uh, so in that time of 2008 is you know when everything happened in real estate. So I was told basically either, you know, get a job or, you know, I don't know how we're going to survive this. So I did jump into the nonprofit organization management industry for a little bit. Um, okay. And I say a little bit, it was about six years. And that's where I really started harnessing a lot more of my marketing skills. I did that in real estate as well. But and, and that's where I realized I didn't really like sales as much because I liked the marketing side of it more rather than just going and showing homes. But um, I feel for all those realtor um, professionals out there, it's, it's a tough job. So um, back to you know what I, I was doing in regards to getting into nonprofits, I handled communications, uh, PR, 
um, early on social media. That was the MySpace time as well as Facebook, but <laughs> showing my age, of course. And uh, getting into that, I, I realized, you know, planning events and structuring uh, social media strategy and, you know, business in that realm um, really led me into my next opportunity, which was at a mortgage company and uh, loved doing that for six and a half years. And so then I jumped to a, a new one where I am today uh, with a new great opportunity as EVP of marketing at First Option Mortgage. And that's it. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to ask you more about First Option later on, but you know, I follow you on social media. I know we engage with one another on social media. I see that you've been to a few live events. I've been to some live events. Give me your feeling on live events, especially as a marketer in today's day and age. So much has gone to digital, which is important to have digital. But tell me, you know, kind of your reaction so far from being at some of the live industry events. Well, it's really funny that you ask because, you know, with COVID and everything, we haven't really had the live events and in my background, I've, I've always worked the events and having to go and be behind a booth or, you know, make sure everything's set up. And, you know, when you walk up to it, you don't know what has been going on behind the scenes to get all and ready for, for you as the consumer to walk up and have a conversation. But um, as being just someone who goes to an event, it's so new uh, to realize that, you know, you're there to it to you know, gain some knowledge, network, meet people. And at these live events now, they're so much different uh, than they used to be because of you don't know who you can really shake hands with. If if it if they feel comfortable in doing that, you kind of have to ask now and be like, can I, can I, you know, and <laughs> and have the conversations with people. But as you sit down and really, you know, dive into how they are, you know, how they're feeling it's not so much just sales driven anymore. It's asking people really what they're about, who they are, um, what they've been doing and how they feel about being out in public again and getting out there to really uh, do business in this, I guess you could say new normal. Well, and I think that's one of the challenges, especially as marketers, right? Of everything shifted to digital. I think there's a ton of benefits from digital and we'll probably talk about those shortly. But the one thing that you really can't replicate is those personal interactions, going up the escalator, going down the escalator as you're waiting in line for a coffee, as you're waiting you know, to get your dinner reservation. Those times of interacting with people and then to your point of being able to actually sit down, what I have found is the conversations appear to me to be much more meaningful. Absolutely. People People now want to know, how are you? What's new with your family? Hey, how have you kind of survived COVID instead of just launching into a sales pitch? And I find that's a very strong benefit of the live interactions that I've had. Oh, and to your point, of course, as well. And, you know, meeting these people for the first time in person after you've, you've learned about them online, you know, for example, you and I have never met in person yet. Right. I, I feel like I know a lot about you and, um, there's so many people that I met at this past event that I went to for uh, the Mortgage Collaborative. And in that, I found I've, I was kind of like fanning out on a lot of these people because they, they post all these things and they're so introspective and, you know, they get so many likes and, and shares and it, they become these, you know, 
bigger than life uh, personalities and you meet them and they're these down to earth people who are just great to talk to, but you feel like you already have a rapport with them because you've been interacting so much. So it kind of goes from if you can put yourself out there authentically online and be that authentic person in, you know, in person, then that will really help you a lot more. Well, I love what you just said there because I think so many people struggled with leaning into digital, right? And they didn't, but the people that did and fostered and developed relationships, like you said, we met through social and, and we now engage on LinkedIn and I feel I know you and I've seen some of your trips and, and your kids, <laughs> and some of the activities. I think then when you actually meet with these people live, besides that, wow, hey, there's a rock star, or there's something else, you sit down and you talk to them and it's a much more meaningful it's a much more intentional and you actually feel like you're sitting down with a friend, not just somebody that you've interacted with. So I think finding that right mix of digital of live and being able to really leverage those is critical. Let's talk a little bit about what are some of the biggest challenges? What are some of the trends for mortgage marketers in today's environment? Well, definitely um, I would say finding that consumer base um, and then also what do you market? Do you market your business as a company or do you market your culture? Uh, do you market, you know, to the consumer specifically and your culture? You know, you got to find the, the balance because the consumer that's looking for you to, to do business, they want to know that they're working with people and not just, you know, a AI, you know, a logarithm that, <laughs> that they can go onto a website and put in their information and not ever hear from somebody. So if you can do it in a way that it's, um, you know, across the board strategic with a good balance of culture with um, promotions and also understanding, you know, what your audience is asking for from, you know, a resource standpoint of what are they looking for to know? What can you give them? How can you educate them? about the mortgage process because it can be scary. It really can. And if somebody's going to put a social security number into a website, they have to trust that you are a reputable company and not just some person who puts something online maybe once or twice a month, you know, and because those consumers are going to go and look you up and make sure that you're doing business and you do business ethically. Such a good point, a number of good points there. Hopefully our listeners are taking notes. You know, I think understanding your audience and knowing <laughs> how you want to interact with them is critical. And I love how you started talking about culture. So let's talk culture. I'm a big believer in that's one of the few distinct competitive advantages that are still in the marketplace is companies that develop and foster a great culture. And I know you've been responsible for that in a number of organizations of creating that culture. What are ways people can develop and really create that key differentiator by their culture? Well, it depends on the company, but I will say definitely um, look inward and figure out what's happening at the top figure out what is going on from a standpoint of how those people are doing their business and how they're interacting with the staff. Because if they're not living those core values or if you don't even have core values, right. you know, um, that's really gonna trickle down to the rest of the company and the rest of your team. 
because how are they going to know what their value is if they don't know what your values are as well? And so as a leader or a leader, you know, group, you kind of have to determine what do you want your culture to be? Do you want it to be a, you know, kind, loving, you know, introspective culture? Or do you want it to be, you know, win, 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 doesn't matter what we do, we're going to win. I mean, there's a balance, of course, but you have to determine who you are, who are you as a company, who are you as a culture, and how can you put that out there to the world so that they can see, oh, I want to work with those kind of people because the culture is going to be how you recruit new team members. But I think rather than just putting what your culture is out there, determine what it is first, develop it well, give some good professional development, and then really promote your culture in the authentic way. So many good tips there. And one of the challenges I see with executives is they may extol this great culture, this belief, like you said, we want to be kind and we want to be friendly or we want to promote work-life balance. I, I hear that a lot out of executives. And then you see when it gets a little tough, when volume's down a little bit, when you know they got to start, they're losing some deals to competition. It's amazing how that work-life balance goes out the door and they're grinding on people. We need to win. You need to close more deals. I don't care if you have to work late. How do executives find that right balance of pushing, striving for excellence? There's nothing wrong with wanting to be the best. How do you balance that with still finding, you know, time to let people have a life and enjoy time with their spouse and their kids and make it to a soccer game and go out to dinner? That's where I think when the rubber meets the road, that's where you find a true culture or where you really just hear it's a lot of hello words kind of posted on a wall. Well, I'll say, you know, it's different for everybody and it, you can never really know until you're in the situation. But to be honest, I think, and why wouldn't I be honest, you know, but to be honest, I think that the real true answer is that you have to make sure and hope that your leadership is being mentored by certain, you know, positive mindsets um, to help them get through these types of situations because, you know, they want to win, you know, and they want to be the best and they want to be the ones that make the money. But with that said, you know, we all are humans and we make mistakes and we learn from these mistakes and we grow and change. But it's hard to really develop a culture without that top buy-in. And when that top buy-in is consistent with their message to you on a regular basis of, you know, make mistakes and we'll all learn with them together. You know, we're going to fail and we're all going to fail together, but then we'll rise back up. Yep. If we have that mentality as a company and we're together as one in that effort, I feel like the culture thrives. But without that type of mentality where, you know, we, we do it together or, you know, we're separated. That's when you really can determine, you know, where the company's going to go. And people watch a lot more than they do just listen. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, people can say this is what we believe. This is what's important to us. But day in and day out, how you treat people, how you interact with them. I love your examples of, you know, you can't say you want to be super innovative and really disrupt the market 
and then have everyone on at your company afraid to take a risk yeah and afraid to fall on their face and, and to fail because we're all going to so i love talking you and i could just talk culture for hours but i want to ask a couple more questions tell me a little bit about how have you or how do you help your company your teams develop an online presence especially in this environment we're in covid some events are on some are off some companies don't allow you to travel or they don't allow visitors how do you develop that online presence so that you have you know a really good following out there and not just followers from you know clicks and likes but i mean people who really embrace the content you're putting out there i found that you kind of have to just have conversations within your company with those who are willing to put themselves out there and have the conversation with your leadership and any managers and also sales team because you those are front facing and they're the people who are the names of the company and as that happens you want to be able to utilize those people as an extension of your marketing team because you can't have you know thousands of marketing people within your your department i mean i guess you can but you know <laughs> in in my experience i found you know having a, a small but mighty team but then you have all these ambassadors and influencers and insiders who help you out along the way throughout the weeks and the months and the years as you go on to really get that message out there and you kind of just use those people. I wouldn't say use them. You just, you know, as, use them as assets. Um, right. And, right. And, or incorporate them into your strategy. Because if people like to be involved, you people like to be exclusive. And so if you can create maybe a program of just some certain individuals who have swag on a regular basis, and then they're putting it out there, it becomes like this you know, wildfire where others see that t-shirt and they're like, where do you get that? I really want that shirt. And after that happens, it just grows and grows and snowballs. So, and if we can ask those people to, hey, go online and share a story about something that happened at a closing, or, you know, why not talk about what you did this past weekend? Humanize yourself and well, reach I out to the industry. You know, it'll all happen on its own, but it, it has to be authentic. I love when you talk about humanize yourself and your brand and executives I have found, and, and I'm sure you can attest to this too. Some executives really don't want to share anything about themselves. They're scared to not be professional and or, or perfect. Right, right. And that perfection person right up here, you got to make them go away because nobody's perfect. Exactly. And I think the best tip I ever got was from one of my guests, Chelsea Pite. She heads up social sales at Fidelity. She does, a, you know, the gram is her jam. And we were talking about this exact topic. And she says, Michael, I share a lot of stuff. People are ask me, how do you share? How did you feel comfortable? She says, I share personal stuff, but I've never shared anything private. And I think for some executives, if they can understand that distinction and saying, hey, I had a great weekend. My wife and I had a fabulous time being able to get away for a day or two. Yeah, that was personal. I kind of humanized it. I didn't have to say where we went. I didn't have to say the exact thing that we did 10 times. There's ways that you can bring up information that is personal. And to your point, that humanizes the brand. 
without necessarily sharing private or confidential information. Yeah, for example, you don't have to put your kids' names out there. You don't even exactly. have to put pictures of your kids if you don't want to, but you can tell a story about a situation you were in where maybe you had a struggle with, with one of your kids where they wanted something at a store and you had to kind of give them a, um, a lesson in, you know, um, I guess, understanding the value of a dollar. And when you do that, you, you're passing along your knowledge to a younger generation who can then pass that on to, you know, to school and to their friends. And so as you become, you know, a mentor, you can pass that on just like if you drive through Starbucks and then somebody says, oh, the person in front of you bought your, 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 um, your coffee. Pass that on, you know, do the same thing. Give that, uh, you know, pay it forward. And, and that will continue on and on. And on social media, everything's going to be out there for a while. You know, don't, don't, under, don't put something out there you don't feel comfortable putting. But at the same time, you got to be take a risk and be a little bit more open. Exactly. So many great tips there. So, Eric, we're on the FinTech Hunting Podcast. What is technology's role for today's modern marketer? How, how does technology fit into helping people accomplish all of these things that we've been talking about? So it's so interesting that you say that because I, I feel like I've been talking to my leadership team a lot about, hey, I think we need this new innovative piece of tech. I think we need to bring this on. And, you know, what about this one too? And because when you go to these conferences, you meet these people and they're like, hey, we have this really cool thing. And it, it is pretty cool, but, you know, it all comes with a price tag. It's kind of like, the, you know, that show once upon a time, you know, you know, all magic comes at a price. Well, you know, to make social or marketing magic happen, it all comes with a price. So you do have to figure out what fits best for you. So I found, you know, the things that will help you meet people quicker, you know, and not have to take a business card, you know, those, you know, little tap things that will add somebody's information to your phone. That's really helpful. Um, any kind of really cool tech stack that could give you more analytics for your website or even uh, social media with scheduling. Those are always helpful. Um, there's so many things out there that, you know, um, will, will assist you, especially with like apps and, you know, becoming more um, automated, I guess you could say, in, in a way that will um, help the user experience. Because as that happens, and sometimes the user experience is you, but um, right. and, and when you're doing that, if you can make your life easier and your job easier, that tech might just be worth it. Well, and I love how you talk about it. I mean, because there are so you go to any conference and there's all these shiny objects and you've got to kind of sift through the first criteria that I hear almost all the time speaking to lenders like you say is it's got to fit within my current tech stack. If it doesn't, I don't care how cool or shiny, I'm probably not going to move forward. But then to your point of where does it add value? Are we just buying cool to buy cool or, hey, I can now get leads in the system quicker and I can, it can be faster. I can improve the customer experience. And that's not just external, but internal, right? 
If your loan officers can use a tool and they use it all the time and they're consistent and it helps with follow-up and it will shoot out an email or you can use data and analytics. So when you're talking to a borrower, you know how much equity they have in their home and you know that they're living on a block in a cul-de-sac in Florida and everyone else has a pool and they don't, but they might want to take out equity of their home to do a cash out refi to put in that pool. Soon as you can start personalizing and humanizing and using technology to do that, I think that's very, very powerful. Yeah, any way a consumer can say, if you, if we do something with a consumer and they say, wow, that was worth that money that you spent for that, that technology or you know, to innovate your processes, because it'll also give you the ability to do what you do faster. That is so true. Eric, you and I could go on and talk for hours. I'm sure we will in some other conversations. We're winding down. I would be remiss. I know you've taken on a new position. Tell everyone a little bit about First Option Mortgage and kind of why you selected First Option. I selected First Option because it was an amazing opportunity. And the culture here is unlike any I've ever experienced. Um, everyone's so kind. Everyone's so open. Um, they're so much buy-in for everything that we want to do together that I, I couldn't say no, you know? So the opportunity here as a, a marketer or even just as a loan officer um, to coming in or underwriter or a processor, everyone has a voice. Everyone has an opportunity to take part in a conversation. And I think that is invaluable. So I, I love it here. It's a great opportunity to be part of a team that is evolving and building upon uh, what they currently have. And it's it's a lot of fun. And I was here, and as of yesterday, I've been here a month. Well, congratulations on that. If somebody wants to get a hold of you at First Option and, and pick your brain on a lot of the wonderful things that you've shared today, what's the best way that they can get a hold of you? You can reach out to me on LinkedIn um, or you can send an email to say hello at myfirstoption.com. Outstanding. Eric, thank you so much for being a guest on this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Thank you. Are you looking to close more loans in 2021? Experience accelerates award-winning customer engagement platform featuring lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing, text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and so much more. Incelerate, helping lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement. Schedule your personal demo today at Incelerate.com. Introducing FinLocker, a financial super app that originators can provide their customers to improve credit, create and track budgets, save for their financial goals, and get mortgage ready. Users can even search for a home and start their loan application directly from the app. Create customers for life with FinLocker. Are you struggling to keep up with record origination volumes? From property valuation and appraisal to title insurance and closing services, WFG Enterprise Solutions provides flexible mortgage origination services that address your organization's needs head-on. 
By taking the time to understand how you run your business, WFG can create solutions that save you time and money on every transaction. That's why WFG consistently earns Net Promoter's world-class ranking for customer satisfaction. Innovative solutions, world-class customer satisfaction. Get to know WFG today at WFGLS.com. FinTech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow.